This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Doing great, buddy. It's uh, Super Bowl week, so I'm amped. There we go. And we have a very special guest. He he is a guy who knows about scoring in big games. He's a great cup winner with the Toronto Argonauts, and he's also taking his talents down south. He's now kicker for the Panthers. He spent a little bit of time with the Rams, so we'll get into that. And he runs his own kicking school. So who better to talk to than Mr. Lirim Harulahu? Lirim, how's it going? How you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, my man. And how have things been? You, you've made your debut in the league. It's It's been a solid season, no? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it's for someone from my perspective... Um, being a kicker, it's uh, it's really easy to get signed, but it's also really easy to be cut. Just because uh, my debut was with Dallas this year, and that was because um, the kicker there had COVID. So you know, they found out they had COVID, and and then next day they flew me out. So like for I always say for kickers, you know, you can get signed Saturday night, play. Sunday uh, afternoon or even get signed Sunday morning and play Sunday afternoon because you don't really need to know a playbook. But, uh, you know, it got my feet wet. Um, we'll get into the L.A. thing later, as you said, but uh, got my feet wet with uh, Dallas. Uh, incredible, incredible experience and just the mecca of uh, football down there and the facility is unbelievable. And uh, from there, I was able to kind of showcase that I do belong and uh, got an opportunity to go uh, a couple uh, more places. Got to go to Washington and uh, for a similar situation, uh, but the kicker ended up passing protocols, but they kept me on. During that week, th- uh, every Monday, Tuesday, teams can pick you off. If you're on the practice uh, squad, teams can pick you off the practice squad, but they have to play you three games if they do that. So when I, while I was on the Washington, we were actually getting ready to play. I don't know if you remember this, but it was, uh, I think it was week... 13, uh, Washington was at Philadelphia and we're supposed to play Sunday afternoon, but because of COVID, they pushed it to mm. Tuesday night and they had pushed the, I think Kansas City to the five o'clock game and we we're at the seven o'clock game. And I was getting ready because I didn't know if I was going to, I was like practicing the first string kicker and I didn't know if I was going to play that game until basically like noon that day. And uh, because of that, I was actually like getting ready to go play and uh, thinking I was going to play against the Eagles. And uh, all of a sudden, the team was like, listen, 
we still owe one more game to uh, the other kicker because he came under a similar situation with bringing in a guy from a practice roster. So we'd have to dress two kickers if you were to play tonight. So I'm like, okay. And long behold, two hours later, Carolina calls and they want to bring me in. So I got to play the last three games of the season with them, which was kind of cool. Playing with Cam Newton, a guy that I idolized in, in college and look up to just because he's so uh, charismatic. And uh, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it looks like, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but it looks like you also played in Tom Brady's last regular season game of his career. Hey, I was the last guy to give him a, like, a, a bro hug to leave the stadium on a regular season game. I don't know if that goes far, but <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> count, count it, count it. Also, staying with counting it, yeah. you only missed one kick, mate. You, you, you had like, you were perfect from the extra points. You just had yeah. the one missed field goal. So that's going to be awesome yeah. going into next season. No, absolutely. And even that field goal that I missed, it was just because for, for us, um, for kickers, it's a lot more like timing. You know what I mean? So we only have 1.3 seconds, 1.35 seconds to kick the ball from the time that it gets snapped to the time it hits my foot. So you can imagine how fast and how you have to work on tempo because you have some of the fastest DBs. You know, I remember Jalen Ramsey when I was with the Rams, like he'd be coming out flying. And if you if you jump to like a 1.36, 1.37, that thing's getting blocked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, when I, we were playing down in um, in New Orleans, they had some really good DBs that come off the edge really fast too. So I just ended up going a little fast on that field goal because like I had more than, more than enough leg to put that through. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was very happy and basically just say like – solidifying myself as hey i did this up up north in the cfl for six years in tough conditions in the snow the windiest stadium in north america i can do it down here too it's not that big of a difference so that was my main goal this year and i feel like i accomplished that absolutely you did yeah given what your kicking record is mm-hmm. on in nfl stadiums how much does stadium familiarity matter I mean, you get more comfortable as you go on. Like when you're playing at home, you know, you get to practice. Uh, like for us in Carolina, we're able to, like the kickers would go out in the main field and kick before practice. So we get like a situated to the stadium and then we'd go to our practice field, which was just like two minute walk away. But in Dallas, the stadium is... 45 minutes away from the practice facility so not very many times i don't think many teams actually practice inside their actual stadium but the more you get used to it like i know in the cfl like i'll know if i'm going to edmonton i know how the wind moves there you know if i'm going to calgary i know it's mile high uh mile high stadium so i know how the wind's going to move there saskatchewan even the saskatchewan the way the stadium is built you know, once you get that one game in there, you know how the wind is speaking to guys. So it really helps when you've been there. But if you haven't, you need to look to your resources. Like when I was in, uh, when we were playing in Tampa the last game, one of the kicking coaches that's down in the south, uh, John Carney, played like in the NFL for 23 years. So I'll go down there and see him uh, and, and kind of train with some of his guys here and there in in California and I remember him always saying when you go to Tampa you better have uh, a football cleat on your uh, left like on your plant foot because that grass is terrible and if you're going towards the if you're going towards the pirate ship 
know the wind is going to move this way. You know what I mean? So like w- once you build some of a relationship with uh, guys that have been in the league for a long time, they tell you little tidbits. Just like in Edmonton, you have to know which flags to look for because the other ones are deceiving. Because there's flags all, go all around the stadium, but there is four specific ones that will tell you the true way the wind moves. So it's little tidbits like that that can, you know, make or break a game. And, you know, the more you are, the more you go to these stadiums, the more familiar you get with them, the more you can visualize and prepare for the game. Uh, just because that plays such a big role in preparation for uh, a kicker. Now, you mentioned right off the hop that it's a very tentative position being a kicker in, mm-hmm. in football. At, at the drop of a hat, you could be let go and then signed somewhere else. Right. Do you feel like part of a team or you feel like you're playing for a team of one when it comes right down to it? Yeah. Well, there was times where it's like, hey, you're playing for a team of one because I'd have I literally have a suitcase uh, like a, one of those carry ons already ready in my, in my back trunk every every week because every Monday that's when the calls would happen for workouts. And then Tuesday you'd kick. And then if you did well enough, then they'd keep you. Sometimes they'd just bring you in just to test you and see how you are. But uh, I'd always be kind of on the like on the ball. So I just felt like a lot a lot of times it felt like I was team of one because I go I, I had in the last two years I think I had twelve workouts. So I just felt like it was a team of one. But towards the end, once I got with Carolina, then I felt more more like a, a team because I was able to play three games. I knew some of the guys from the year before because I had signed there the year before, and guys from uh, a couple guys from LA were there, and Chuba uh, Hubbard, the other Canadian uh, that's there, was able to connect with him a little bit. So the longer you stay with the team, obviously the better camaraderie you have with them. And uh, but the guys are great, you know, like whether you're competing with them like other kickers or not, like you're still they bring you in. Uh, they know it's a competition. They know what you're there for and to take their job. But at the same time, they respect you and try to make you uh, feel as much of the team as possible. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's good. And I'm going to ask Carolina. So mm-hmm. are you a fan of Carolina cuisine, like brisket and pulled pork, stuff like that? I, I like brisket a lot, but I, f- I found like the barbecue down in uh, in Texas was really, really good. When we were, when I was, uh, when I'm with the team, especially with Carolina, we played two games away mm-hmm. every day except one day. Our food would be covered at the stadium, so like you go in in the morning, you'd have breakfast, then you'd work out, meetings, and all that, lunch, and then you'd get ready for uh, practice. And then once you're done practice, you'd have more meetings, and then you'd have dinner. So I didn't really get to experience too much because I also the days that I was off, I'd go see my cousins. My, the only other Hyrulahus in North America are actually in Charlotte. So uh, wow. anytime I had off, uh, yeah. So I, I've had Carolina Panthers like hats and shirts and you name it for the last like 15 years. So when I told them I'm signing back there and I'm actually going to be playing, they're just like over the moon because they're like they're diehard fans. You know, like every every team that you go to, it's like the Leafs in Canada, you know what I mean? Like these mm. guys love, love sports and it, it's so awesome to see just because obviously being an athlete is like you, you love doing that. Like when I played for Winnipeg, you know, you felt like a professional athlete, Hamilton, same thing. Mm. Toronto it was a little bit difficult until we won the cup, but you know, <laughs> it's a, bi- a bigger market, right? It's understandable. And we wear a helmet, so you're not recognized as much, but in some of the cities, like you go around, you'll get recognized. 
No, that's awesome. And mm. yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, there's mm. a third member of our show, and he's a yeah. big CFL guy. And yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> we always talk about that. How the Argonauts are kind of like they kind of forgotten a little bit in Toronto. They kind of missed. Yeah, forgotten a lot. <laughs> I forgot a lot, which is like honestly, it, it's I love what like when the CFL is on, I, I, like I'd be watching it because a lot of uh, each week the ESPN three would have a a game on, and so like at the end of the day, you're like pooched, like you just spent twelve hours at the stadium meetings, like even for for someone as as a kicker, so I can only imagine some of the other positions, but for a kicker, I'm like pooched at the end of the day, so I'd like I'd actually watch the CFL just because it's so exciting the three downs um you know makes a game like like it, it just goes back and forth and a lot of strategy plays into it and uh i still have lots of friends in a lot of these teams so it was just like when i was uh when i was down there i'd still keep in track of uh, the teams and i wish toronto had a bigger following and just because football is one of the sports where you know it doesn't discriminate against size you know which is really unique in comparison to like something like volleyball where it's all guys are six five plus and you know skinny as a stick. Where football, it's like you guys you have six five guys skinny as a stick, but you also have three hundred fifty pound guys who are you know big as a refrigerator. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Now you touched on uh, the the Hirelahu name, Hirelahu mm-hmm. name. Your journey to football is has been unconventional, like. We're in Canada, yeah. so we know it better than most. A lot of people in the States don't know about it. So why don't you tell our mm-hmm. audience about that? Well, I was born in Kosovo. And if uh, you don't know what that is, it's uh, like former Yugoslavia. Uh, Serbia tried to take over the whole Eastern Bloc in the 90s. If you remember, they had tried to take over Croatia, Bosnia. And then the last little bit was Kosovo. Mm. And honestly, luckily for United States who stepped in because like I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them and UN and coming in to basically save us. And I remember the day we escaped from there and I'll make a long story short, but, uh, you know, we ended up staying in refugee camp and we were just trying to get out of there as safely as possible. And to be honest, uh, if we went a certain way, which we were told to go towards the northwest, we wouldn't be here today. But uh, luckily, the head of our town ended up going south towards Macedonia. And we were very lucky to escape and get into Macedonia, get into the refugee camp, and eventually putting our names in uh, to come to uh, Canada and U- U.S. And yeah, we arrived in Canada, didn't know anything about football until it was in grade 10. And, you know, in grade 9, I, I played soccer and basketball. But uh, they saw how how big my goal kicks were. So I had a, one of my coaches... So just come out and try football just once in like all grade nine, right? And I'm like, no, it's too dangerous, too dangerous. Like I'm focused <laughs> on soccer, you know, coming from yeah. Europe, like that was my thing. Right. And <laughs> and he's like, just come try it out. And so in grade 10, I'm like, because he's like, try it once. And if you don't like it, I'll never bother you again. But he knew like once you come out, you, you're not, like you're going to love it. <laughs> and uh, so I went out for the first day of training camp in grade 10 and honestly fell in love with the game and all the guys and ended up playing like linebacker ended up playing old line because guys got hurt and like I played by the time I went to grade 13 ended up playing every position possible and then once I was graduating I had some scholarship offers from Queens and Laurier Western ended up playing on Team Canada and just kind of made everything kind of solidified and uh, ended up choosing Western and doing really well there and 
having some great success, personal and team success. So kind of helped me to get noticed in the CFL. And, you know, my journey has been a little bit different just because I didn't know what football was. And now, like, you know, I've chased it to make sure I'm playing in the highest level. And um, even this past year, like, because CFL teams were calling throughout every week, they're like, what is it going to take? And because like in 2020, I jumped around practice roster, but you're not making enough money to like live basically on practice roster, especially if you're jumping team to team. Mm. So this year is kind of like, I'm doing this. When you were saying earlier, were you doing like, do you feel part of team or a team of one? This year is more of like a team of one just because like, hey, I want to play and I want to make it because I know I have the ability to play at this level and I want to prove that I can play at this level. So like teams would call each week being like, come, come back and play in the CFL. But I'm like, this is something I have to do. It's not, it has come to the point where it's not about the money anymore. It's more or less, it's like, I want to prove to myself, I've been working really hard to play at the highest level possible and playing in front of, you know, hundreds and thousands of uh, fans and, you know, having that type of pressure and just, you know, you fiend that. And uh, I was just very happy I, I got the opportunity and blessed to have the opportunity to play for Carolina and Dallas and all these different teams and to, you know, get my feet wet in the NFL. But I just felt uh, like this journey is definitely different than anything else. And I just wanted to prove myself that I can play at the highest level. Absolutely. And you have proven that and hopefully long may that success continue. I appreciate that. Yeah. Liram, you're married, correct? Correct. Do you have kids or no? No, that's, uh, you know, not yet. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. having bounced around the way you have, yeah. where do you call your home base? Uh, well, that's the thing for, for both my wife and I, it's, you know, the fact that like every week I could be, you know, I'd go from, you know, Tennessee and then from Tennessee, go down to Florida and come back. So uh, right now I'm in Oakville, but, uh, so I'd, I'd come back and then every Monday I'd literally have my bags packed and trying to uh, go to, uh, like tryouts. And, uh, when you mentioned the family part, it's, you know, it's very tough to kind of start a family when I'm going back and forth, not knowing where I am. So I hope to have something more solidified so I could, we can do that. But, uh, you know, like this type of, this type of a lifestyle is really tough on, you know, my parents, my wife, my siblings, just because like they want to see the best for you. Right. And the fact yes. like, you know, uh, you go to try out, go 10 for 10 on field goals, kill the kickoffs. And they're like, Hey, uh, we're gonna go with a guy that's just went like seven of 10 or, Hey, mm-hmm. thank you for coming. But you know, uh, we're not going to sign anyone today. And it's just like, you know, you always, it's a lot of ups and downs. So it's very difficult. I think for, for me, I, I understand that's part of the business, but I think it's really tough for my supporting crew, you know, like, uh, family members and wives and siblings and everyone that's emotionally invested in it. So it's a little bit difficult for, for them more than the actual athlete I find. Now, at the traditional skill positions, obviously mm-hmm. there's a massive discrepancy when it comes to what what coaches, what teams are looking for based on the schools that players went to. But, I mean, you mm-hmm. went you went to Western. You're a Western Mustang, a Canadian yeah. school. Does your past play a factor when it comes to bidding for these jobs, basically, you know, working for these jobs yeah. in their locations? I, I feel like it, it does. I mean, the fact that I played CFL, uh, six years in the CFL, I think it kind of neutralized that. But you have to understand – Coming from a Canadian school, you're playing like homecoming was like 16,000. You know what I mean? And for some of these other schools, like they're playing in front of like Michigan, 110,000 people, 
right? So I'm sure that plays a part. I personally thought it, it does just because like teams are going to look for, hey, have you come through like the, the system? Because there's no uh, Division Two or there's no um, you know G League in, in the NFL. So their G League is technically uh, NCAA, right? And so you're not coming from a traditional route. Someone really has to stick their neck on the line for you and be like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a try. So the first team that did that was uh, L.A. But, you know, the way that happened was I'd go to these free agent camps or combines where, you know, you'd have 100 kickers and basically narrow it down by the end of it down to like the last four or five. So I went a couple of years in a row and ended up in the top five both years and, uh, LA saw my improvements, saw my experience, and luckily had a one of the scouts played in the CFL and had friends in the CFL. So they, they you know, they did the due diligence and called teams and make sure that hey, is this guy legit? Sometimes some teams are going to be like, hey, this guy didn't come the traditional route, and then some teams are willing, hey, this is my diamond in the rough. So I think it's depending on the the culture within the, uh, within the team because you'll see some of the teams that they'll uh, they'll bring guys from the cfl all the time and then you'll see guys that don't have any cfl guys or canadian guys on their team not to say that they don't know but it's very difficult for some teams to scout the cfl because of different rules mm-hmm. that's the problem it's like there's a misconception of because like I, the one kicker's like oh you played in cfl for six years i'm like yeah and he's like the field goal, uh, field goal posts are wider. I'm like, no, the hashes are wider, which makes the kicks like a lot harder. So when you're kicking a 50 yard field goal from the left hash, it's, it's literally like a 55 in the middle from the NFL because the hashes are on the goalposts. So when you're, and you're playing with hard angles and harder wins, like for someone in my position, I think it's a lot more difficult to kick in the CFL than NFL in terms of angles, wind, the NFL, I think it's just the pressure of, you know, you play in the biggest league, more fans, uh, more people invested. You know what I mean? So it's th- that's what I find is the, the difference between the two. I do find it interesting when some teams pick players based on the school they went to. That's all I'm going to say. By association. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, they're comfortable. But you see, like, a lot of these coaches now with all the hiring sprees, like, I'm going to choose someone that I'm comfortable with. You know what I mean? Like, or they know a coach from that school and they trust his judgment. So they'll be like, Hey, yeah, this guy's a real deal. That happens. You know what I mean? Like I think that happens in the real world too. It's like, mm. Hey, hire uh, my friend here and did his MBA at, you know, Ivy. And, you know, he's, he's worked for me for the last seven years. And this, you know, like it doesn't happen just in the NFL. It happens everywhere in the world. I think like, it's more of a comfort and knowing what they're getting versus taking a shot against for someone that hasn't been in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. you know I mean? mm-hmm. Be sure to join the pro sports podcasters, Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. We've got the, the big game coming up on Sunday. Yeah. It's at SoFi stadium, a place where you've kicked for four. Mm-hmm. What, what's that like as a stadium? Oh, I think that's one of them. I got really spoiled. I got played. I got to play in Dallas twice, and I got to play in LA last year twice. Um, and that stadium is like it, it's honestly like the Coliseum. The, if you if any of the listeners have been to Dallas, it's very similar in nature, except it goes higher a lot quicker. It doesn't go out as wide, 
and the optical like uh, screen that goes around the field is something obviously that hasn't been anything like it. The stadium, it's it's amazing. It's one of the best stadiums I think in the world. I really love playing in it. And note that that stadium is not indoors. There's a roof yeah. cover, but it is not indoors. So <laughs> the both ends are open, so the wind flows right through there. So for kickers, it's like, oh, I'm playing indoors. But it's like, hey, mind you, California usually is pretty good with weather and wind. And But you know, if you get a nice ocean breeze, know that there might be a little difference on Sunday. Yeah, I remember there was a game delay because of lightning or something. That's but, right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I guess some fans are exposed to it. And I don't know. Uh, but it, it's... Uh, if you ever have a chance to go to a game, uh, that should be one of the stops. I think it's a really, really cool stadium, and it's LA. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, three quick questions for you. So first yeah. of which, on the topic of stadiums, what's the most difficult stadium you've had to kick in? Uh, I think that would have to be Hamilton, uh, and it's and it is also backed by stat uh i think dave dave naylor of uh tsn he had the stat worst percentage by opponent field uh field goal kickers in north america next in line is the chicago bear stadium but i think hamilton is one of the toughest uh, the reason i think i had really good success is that's where i train every day <laughs> so i know how the wind moves there and how it is and i think Saskatch- the old saskatchewan stadium was really really tough too Okay, and you spent a small bit of time with Washington. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the new name, the Washington Commanders? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> it's tough. I thought they'd go after like an animal name, to be honest. Commanders, I'll have to take some time for it to sink in. The, the crazy thing, I understand what's going on in our society and the Redskins and what it means and everything else. Um, so I understand why they did it. I just, Commanders... I mean, it fits with the Washington because they're, you know, with politics and being, you know, and their history. So, I mean, I guess it fits. Now, Cole, you grew up in a time when the Red, the Washington was good at football, remember? So, <laughs> they were great at football. So, that, that, you got to take that into account as well. Hey, Chase but, Young can play. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Do you, like I mean, the, do you like the Commanders? No, I no, do not. I think because <laughs> yeah. okay. people are going to shorten whether you like it or not. People are going to shorten it down to the commies. And <laughs> oh that's, man, that's, that's okay. And the last question I have for you before yeah. I pass you back to me is: You mentioned the kicking combine you went to. Mm-hmm. Were those organized by teams or by the league? No, it's actually uh, that's the thing. The league doesn't get involved in any of that stuff uh, unless it's like the NFL Combine for guys that are coming out of college. But these guys are for like free agents, so guys trying to get a, another look. And I would go to these. It happen every March. Uh, there's usually a few of them, but there's one big one in Arizona, and almost ninety nine percent of the teams show up. Like thirty of the thirty two, twenty nine of thirty two will, will show up, and they'll send at least one or two scouts. CFL teams will be there too, so I'd go to those. But uh, just to add to that, even last year, I actually end up because uh, you're saying, "Oh, how, uh, does it matter if you played in the uh, like in Canada versus states?" My agent actually sent me down to the spring league twice last year, right before I signed to Carolina, and then this past, I think it was around May, June, they had a team uh, down in Houston. And now, which is now is going to be the USFL, which is starting next month. Mm-hmm. 
I actually ended up going to those and playing for free for, you know, like I was in the one in May was two months long and played six, seven games, I think did really, really well, had like a long of 59 and, you know, it was just kind of, Hey, look, I'm playing the American rules football. This is not different to me. I have the drive to play for free just to get an opportunity in the NFL. And I think that's kind of what pushed me to uh, or build my resume of like, okay, this guy played in the CFL. The rules are a little different. This guy played in the, you know, been around the teams. This guy played in the spring league, which is literally a promotion league for yourself. The one that Johnny Manziel used to play, I started out in a few years ago. And then, you know I mean? I think that was a big part of being out there and showing that you're dedicated and teams watch whether they come to these combines or these leagues because they were nationally televised. So I think that's kind of helped by case and being Canadian, going to Canadian school and like this. I think John Ryan and myself are probably the only guys that have done that in a very long time. Yeah, no, that's um, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool to see. And mm-hmm. it, it is good also to see the, the USFL coming back and the FCFL mm-hmm. is also out there. It gives opportunities for... For, for players, like you mentioned. So hopefully we see more Canadians down in these leagues and flying yeah. the flag. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, because like I said, there's no D, uh, like G League. There's no Gatorade League uh, like for the NBA. So once guys, and then in the States, in the CAA, once you commit to going into the draft, and if you don't get drafted, that's it. Like, there's no other league. And there was no other paying leagues besides the CFL. So now with the USFL gives them a few months to play like while football is like not around and the CFL same thing so it, it, you just want guys to have opportunity and build and some of the guys like you know same in basketball and football and soccer some guys mature late I feel like I was one of those guys because I didn't play football from the get-go like, I didn't get coaching until like going into grade 13 mm. you know what I mean yeah I knew just from what I watched TV I didn't didn't really get a coach Till you know, till later on. So I feel like a lot of guys are late bloomers, and they can you know hopefully get opportunities, whether Canadian, American, European. You see in the CFL with the global uh, global additions too. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I guess one thing is, what's if you don't mind sharing, what's the difference in pay like between kicking in Canada and being a kicker in the NFL? Well, uh, the minimum for Canada is around, uh, like, if you're coming out of college, you're probably going or even from the States, you're probably going to get a minimum contract. I think it's gone down a little bit because of COVID, but I think it's around 60 to 65 to start. And minimum contract in, in the NFL is 610. Mm. So 10 times, you know what I mean? So, but mind you, like the, none of the, the one thing about NFL people don't understand is it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like unless you're signing right. a contract with like a signing bonus or whatnot. So like guys that you see like, oh, he just signed a hundred million dollar deal. Okay. Like, and he got this much up front. Those are, you know, you got 50 guaranteed. Okay, great. You got 50% of his thing guaranteed no matter what. But unless you're a stud, you're not getting that much guaranteed, Right especially mm-hmm. if you're coming out and now if you're playing, you're going to make the full 610 grand. But if you're not, then you, you, it, it, you get breaking down per game. So if you play one game, it's like one, you, you divide those by uh, 18 weeks. Right. So it's a lot better down there, obviously. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's until you get into your second or third contract, like you don't have anything guaranteed. Like it's, 
day by day, game by game type of uh, paycheck. <laughs> wow. That's... Even up here too, though, you see guys that will sign. Like the only thing that's guaranteed in the CFL is your signing bonus, right? right. So if you decide to, if you if you get cut, like the only thing they were guaranteed to give you was a signing bonus. Anything else? Because there's no guaranteed contracts in football at all, or hockey and basketball. It's like you get that hundred <laughs> percent, uh, right? Yeah, that's a totally different world. I, I think sometimes it's times we, we forget that, and because. Yeah. Another, I think another, another reason as well is why you don't see games postponed or canceled in the NFL is for that reason because if if you don't play, you don't get paid, right? Exactly. Well, and that's why when I uh, that game when I was with Washington and they're like, hey, we got to play Tuesday night and we got to make sure our numbers are down. So like we were sent home every day. Like we literally come in for practice, changing our cars, then like drop our laundry off and then go home, shower. And then, like, they'd have our lunches ready. So we just grab lunch, go home, and, like, shower, and then get ready for online, like, Zoom meetings. Wow. Because they didn't want us to be in the same room as guys. So, like, so we stopped the spread. Because, like, mm-hmm. if we have to – it can't be rescheduled past Tuesday. If it gets past uh, rescheduled past Tuesday, no one's getting paid. So everyone's like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll change out of our car, which is, like, when you think about it, like, you're at the top of the top of – like the football world and you're changing in your car but you know it's the it's crazy times but you know you have to do it yeah you got to do what you got to do now mm-hmm. you have someone that's overcome a bit of adversity not only in your career but also in life in general mm-hmm. what's what's some messages that you pass on to people that are that are going through some stuff or that are, are trying to get to the next level like you did one thing i do is i write down my goals at the beginning of the year of what i want to do and accomplish and those are kind of my precedents in terms of like I want to play in the NFL. Okay, uh, it's Sunday night. Football's on. Out with buddies. Okay, well, my goal is to play in the NFL. I'm not drinking or I'm not eating. You know, two pounds of wings. I'll enjoy myself. I'll have like a pound of wings, but I'll go for the ginger ale. Uh, you know, like my goals will kind of set my standard in terms of what I want to accomplish. And I think is like once you have a clear goal of like what you want to do whether you want to start a new business whether you're going through stuff it's like okay i'm doing i'm going through this because i want this in life so for me everything like things got tough especially this past year because i wasn't signed at the beginning of the year and you know i was on and off the practice roster in dallas and hey i want to make this team i want to play in the nfl i did like you know did my yoga you know did my workouts uh, did my field work in terms of technique and I just based everything around my goal of, is this helping me get to where I want to go? No, okay, then I probably shouldn't do that. So biggest thing I say is like, set your goals, know your path, like, and be disciplined in everything that you do. Because looking back at it now, I'm so happy that I was disciplined in the last however long to be able to play in the NFL, you know, like to be able to accomplish my dream of playing in the highest football uh league in the world and some some guys don't but like my biggest thing was also like i was telling you earlier all the cfl teams would call and be like when you come back but i'd rather live with the the notion that i was uh i failed versus regret Mm -hmm. so i'd rather like gone all year not played but i know i tried and then be like okay well Clearly, I'm not good enough, and that's the harsh reality. And all right, I got to come back to the CFL or think about other career opportunities. Or do I go? But like, had I, I remember a team had called me. They're like, "Hey, we'll 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 give you whatever you want. 
just come back. But that next week, I played my very first game in Dallas. Mm. Imagine like how miserable I would be had I like, hey, yeah, I'll come play. And then Dallas calls and it's like, oh, well, I already signed with the CFL team. Right. So I feel like I, you know what I mean? Like, so you just got to be disciplined in what you're doing and believe in yourself. And by the moment you find yourself coming out of your discipline, then clearly like you have to refocus on your, your passion of what you're doing. But there is going to be some dark days, but you know, you got to fight through it and understand the big picture and how it's going to feel. So I always say I'd rather live with the, the notion of failure versus regret. There we go. Keep your eyes on the goalposts. And through the goalposts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Aim for the middle of the goalposts. No wide left, no wide left around here. Now, you do coaching as well when you're not on the field, right? You mm-hmm. coach uh, the next generation? Yeah. Uh, I've had a kicking coach since I told you the end of grade 12. Um, he's been around and he has like the top guys in the uh, in college ranks for the longest time. And as kind of a, a thank you to him and just to kind of help him in terms of reaching his goals of having a kicking school. And because you go in the States, uh, like I was telling you, you go to some of these, like the combine, I was telling you, if it's like 800 US and that's just to enter the camp. And then you still got to qualify. So if you don't qualify, it's like, thanks for your money. See you later. So you got to go qualify, be the top guys to get into that top 100. And once you get in the top 100, you have six kicks inside 50. And if you don't go six for six, you don't move on to the next round. Mm-hmm. So like, it's basically like $100 per kick, not including flight, stay, food, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So it's very expensive to go down there and get coaching from some of these guys in these camps and uh, so we just wanted to give guys uh, like in high school and university an outlet. What we teach, I've gone to all these guys. Mm. I've seen what they've done. So it's more or less like I understand what they're trying to teach. And I did my master's at Western in in coaching and uh, leadership. And my dissertation was on setting up a basically a booklet. If you're a high school coach, you're able to read my booklet and help a young kicker learn how to kick. And then the other half was on the mental preparation of uh, sports, especially the kicking game. So we just try to instill and increase the the kicking game here in Canada. And this year, um, I think we had 19 uh, like CIS athletes or U-sport athletes now it's called. Um, that are kicker, punter, or snapper. Um, our, my other, uh, uh, my one of my best friends and kicking coach, uh, he coaches Western. Uh, he's from London. He coached me because we overlapped when I was at Western and, uh, he, they won the Vanya Cup this year. One of our guys won the Great Cup. Uh, another guy that we coached was on Hamilton. So the Great Cup was coming to our kicking school no matter what. You know what I mean? So it's like we have, we have, I think five or six guys in the CFL. We're just trying to increase the education in kicking, but also the availability because like, you go to the States, you're going to drop $2,000 on a weekend, no problem. But, you know, guys can come to us for a lot cheaper. We're in Canada and a lot of guys are in the area here. So I'll run classes on Mondays and Wednesdays and Daryl will run the ones. Uh, these will be in Hamilton and Daryl will run the ones in uh, London on weekends. So we cover a lot of it. And then we usually have guys that fly in here and uh, we make it a lot more reasonable than you were to go to States and pay an American dollars and staying there and everything else. So we're just trying to give guys an outlet. Cause when I was coming out, 
I didn't have $2,000 to drop to go for a weekend, right? right? You know what I mean? So it, we're just trying to give guys a better alternative with even better coaching than going down there. Because when you go down there, like some of these camps have 200 kids. Like, what are you going to learn? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, we're just trying to do something consistent to help these guys. And I think it's really helped the ground uh, grassroots level in the youth sports and high school. Um, because we'll go around to schools in Hamilton and coach some of the kickers just, you know, to help them out, just to teach them a few things. And you should hear some of the coaches and what they say and as soon as we see them. And it changes the kids' lives, gives them an outlet to other things in life and rather than just going home and playing video games. That's a up and keeps them active, especially in these times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's actually kind of a cool thing to have because, again, really, when it comes to kicking, I think back to high school, it was, it was who wants to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's yeah no one knows really anything so it's you have a bunch of guys line up and oh, that one looks best and we'll go from there yeah. right yeah and that's what we did like we we, we went to um because when i was going back and forth uh between workouts like i'd have to find fields to, uh, to kick at so i would like uh i i connect with some of the coaches in in hamilton and be like hey i'll uh I'll teach your kicker how to kick. I'll come, you know, 45 an hour uh, earlier. I'll teach your guys how to kick. I'll teach your old lineman how to block and snap and help your kicking game. And then afterwards, if you can just leave me on the field for about an hour and a half too. <laughs> you know, just leave that, that gate open for me so I can kick. So, And they're more than happy to do that. And they saw the difference. We, you know, we had like a great 10 kick. Uh, I think it was like a 42 or a 38-yard field goal to win the game to go to the championship uh, round which was like really cool uh, and think about a great 10 kicking that far, like in, in game. Uh, so it's, it's incredible to hear some of the stories and just happy. Like we're able to do something in, uh, in our community really. Right on. And where can people find you on social media there? Personally for me, it's Lirum L I R I M underscore 70. And for my coach kick, King School, uh, if you just search us, Coach Kick underscore, you should find us. I also have a link on my uh, my main page that leads to our kicking school. So, yeah, uh, we're in Hamilton twice a week. We're in London twice a week. So if anyone's looking out to get some help, please reach out to us. We're just trying to help these kids and get some uh, kicking. Right on. Right on. There we go. Now, I, before I let you go, I guess – we need to get your insight into the game from the kicker's perspective. So, oh. who you got winning the game, and is it going to be McPherson or Matt Gay who's going to be uh, scoring more dude, points? McPherson, jeez, like this guy. Uh, I had heard about him in from like Florida, and usually Florida kickers don't do that well, especially in cold environment games, and because uh, they're used to that, you know, thirty degree weather each day. But most importantly, I'm very impressed with his technique uh, from a kicker's perspective. Like, he's blown me away in terms of how good he actually is. And hands down, I think he's carried them all the way. So uh, Matt Gay is really good, and he's had a Pro Bowl year. But McPherson just seems to have ice in his veins. So I think from a kicker's perspective, Bengals are going to look to McPherson a lot more than uh, LA is going to look for Matt Gay. Okay, so are you okay. saying that the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what the Simpsons said. <laughs> no, 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 that, that, that's fake. That, 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 that was, I, I fact-checked that. That, that means Did you? it's fake. Yeah, that, no, I that, th- that was LA, actually Bengals and Miami. That's funny. Um, my thing is, 
LA on paper should have no problem winning this game. But I mean, you go to Arrowhead and beat Mahomes. That's that's something else. And you went to Tennessee and beat them in Tennessee. Like if these guys go to into LA and win LA, you know, to win the Super Bowl, this might be one of the top teams ever uh, or one of the best Cinderella stories ever. So, but I say LA is too strong. I mean, that D lineman is scary. And then you got Jalen Ramsey, probably on Jamar Chase one-on-one. That should be shut down. And then, you know, you got Cooper Cup on the other side, OBJ, Jefferson. And then you have Cam Akers running the ball and Sony Mitchell. And I, I, I think LA is too strong, to be honest. Right. Yeah. And they're in their own stadium, so they didn't have to leave town, which, which has to help, surely. I'm sure, I'm sure, but I bet you there would be more Bengals fan there than the LA fans, <laughs> as you as you saw as you saw the going away parties for both. LA had like two thousand fans, unfortunately, um, and then Bengals had like forty thousand or something. Yeah. So I I I just hope it's going to be a good game, uh, but I think LA should be uh, the winner. There we go. Uh, we, heard, we, we heard it from the boot of the man himself, Mr. Hyder Lahu. Liram, is there anything else you wanted to share with our audience before we let you go? No, I, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. It was great speaking to you, and uh, keep up the great work. Appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets dirt and other exclusive things that we will tweet check us out at p podcasters on twitter